So I was on your Instagram and I saw this drone video and it looked like you were like jumping in canals, uh, not like in the middle of Amsterdam, thank God, but you were jumping in the water for a cold plunge with some friends um, and you got drone footage, which was really cool. But tell me a little bit about that. Cause one, I'm like a baby. Um, and <laughs> two, I want to know, like, I think people want to know too, like the benefits of mm-hmm. cold plunge or getting like, I guess, cold therapy. Yeah. Really cool. like, <laughs> honestly, I was, I was so nervous. Um, it, it was quite an experience to, I just want to plug my speaker in here before it uh, stops working. But um, I was so nervous. Um, I was actually quite terrified. I woke up on the day and my friend Volkmar, who's a Dutch, he, he's like a, a personal trainer here in Netherlands. He invited me over because he knew that I was very interested in like, you know, all things movement and mindfulness and meat based. And he's the same. He's a big fan of animal, animal, animal based nutrition. And I've been doing cold showers consistently now for the past couple of months. And I have to say that it has been one of the best things that's ever happened besides like having a meat-based diet in my toolkit. It's it's so like profoundly impactful in the way it impacts your biology and it makes you just feel so rejuvenated. And it, it's not fun. Like every time you do it, it's not a fun experience, but once you've done it, it is so it feels so good to have done it. So anyway, I did my inaugural Northern Europe cold plunge in the freezing water here in Amsterdam with uh, my friend Volkmar. That's the, that's the drone footage you saw. And I woke up in the day and it was, it was quite miserable. And I, and I just, I just said to myself, I was like, fuck, I, I'm, I'm just not excited for this at all. And, yeah. and I was so close to canceling. But I just said to myself, you know, Josh, you, you speak a big game. You talk about all these things. You do CrossFit. Come on, man. You've got to, you've just, just got to go for the cold plunge. You just got to do it. And what we did is we did this, um, we did this like team warm up sesh before we went in. So we, we huddled in, in Volkmar's house. The, the, the lake is like mm-hmm. maybe 50 meters away, staring at it. Oh, okay. And we do this like, like warm up routine where we breathe through our nose and you breathe through your mouth and you do squats and you just get your body warm under the guise of having no um, air in your lungs. So what happens is you breathe in and you hold your breath and you do some squats and then you sort of feel like you can't like breathe anymore then you come up. And what that does, like the nasal breathing itself is part of the process because when you go in that water, it's so cold. Well, for somebody who's like a beginner like myself, when you go in that water, it's so freezing that you can't breathe properly. And I read this quote by Wim Hof is that, you know, the cold is merciless, but righteous. It teaches you how to breathe. So that's exactly what it does. When you go in there, you are forced to breathe properly, which is breathing through your nose, breathing intensely, listening to your body, allowing your body to do what it naturally is capable of doing. But there's no there's no other stress quite like cold stress. I mean, I know we're going to speak about saunas maybe and things like that, but the cold has this like immediate effect on your biology that is almost instantaneous. You know, I'm sure you've been in a sauna, you know, sauna takes a while, you sit there, you start heating up, but cold is like, it's instant. It's like your, your, so I've only done cryotherapy. Yes. Like, yes, so the that. cryotherapy that gets like a hundred, like negative one, 100 degrees, you know, mm. like that. And you can only do it for like a, a very short amount of time. Cause it's so, so below zero, you know, but yeah, I've, yeah. I've only done like polar, polar, <laughs> like polar bear swims polar bears. when I was here, <laughs> like, swimming and, or like camping. And then like, you'd like go in the lake or something when it was like winter and it was called like polar plunge, you know, type thing, or like a polar mm. bear swim. And then like, you would get like an award for doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is like, this is like Girl Scouts. It's like the equivalent of Boy Scouts, but like Girl Scouts. So like you would go yeah. camping with your dads. Um, mm. And it was actually really cool, but like that was one of the things, but I wanted to ask you. So first of all, for people who maybe don't know um, who Wim Hof is, he is the guy who does these signature breathing 
for doing immersion in the, in the cold, right? So he's the one who kind of teaches you how to breathe properly when you are submerged into very, very cold. Like you said, it makes it difficult to breathe, but that's who, that's Wim Hof. Um, the other yeah. thing I wanted to ask you, for people who like are like, mm, I don't know, like Josh says, like it had more of an effect on him than like meat-based, like what are, if you could like tell us some benefits where like people could expect to see like what this would do for them. I know one of course is like um, putting down inflammation, like the cold mm -hmm. can help with inflammation in your body, but what else can it do? Yeah, that's a really good question. There's, there's obviously there's, there's seriously a, a number of like scientifically backed benefits. And in fact, if people want to find out the science behind it, one of the best people is Andrew Huberman with the Huberman lab. Mm -hmm. He's a big proponent of cold exposure and heat exposure, but he goes into the like the nitty gritties of how it impacts your nervous system and it reduces inflammation. If you've got things like arthritis, it's, it, it can provide a number of different ailments. And the best way to describe it is cold exposure, like anything, it is a stress to your body. And this is counterintuitive because you are stressing your body in order to become a sort of a stressless being. So you're putting this high stress on your body so that when the real world stress does come, like work stress or relational stress or whatever comes, your body is able to deal with that in the same way that it dealt with the cold. Because everyone knows that stress is actually a physical thing most of the time. It's like when you get stressed and when you get anxious or depressed or whatever, you start breathing shallow, you start rounding your shoulders, you start putting your head down, your body is literally going into a ball to protect itself. And that's a survival thing. So by putting yourself in a very high stress environment like cold exposure, where every single cell in your body has to must up the energy it needs to keep you alive, essentially, to keep your heart beating, that exposure releases a whole bunch of hormones that do stuff that's beyond my pay grade. But that's essentially what it is. And I, I love I love it because it's it's a method of getting out of your head and into your body. And we speak we speak about this often on the show because there's so many intellectual pursuits out there and there's so many different ideas and books we can read, self-help books. I'm a huge fan of all of that stuff. But there's something so like primal about allowing your body to heal itself through a deliberate stress that you impose on it, like cold exposure or sauna or things like that. So yeah, there, there's literally, yeah. there's so many benefits. And yeah, I yeah. think what, what I was interested in doing was taking my time with it before jumping on the bandwagon and say, oh, cold exposure is the best thing ever. I've been doing it for a long time now. And I've, and I've been drawing these conclusions in my head as to what it's doing to my body and how it's impacting my body. Because if I look at my journey in Europe, when I was this time last year, I, I wouldn't be sitting here with the shirt on. I promise you I'd be freezing right now with the weather outside. It's, it's not very cold, but for me last year, it was very cold because I wasn't, my body was not used to that level of cold. So it, it hadn't, it hadn't, it hadn't adapted. And speaking of that, so what essentially happens with your fat cells is that you've got two types of fat cells. You've got white fat cells and brown fat cells. So white adipose tissue, brown adipose tissue. And this is counterintuitive, but when you expose yourself to cold, you actually gain more brown fat. You get, gain more brown adipose tissue. So it's trying to protect your body, right? Like it's trying to protect Ex you by putting on more? Okay. Exactly. And the reason why it's brown is it's mitochondrial, it's mitochondrially dense. So it's got tons of mitochondria, which is the energy production um, of a cell. It's what gives you energy. So by doing that every single day, you are essentially lining your body with this fat that is abundant in energy. And that's why you feel so good. Like when I finished that cold exposure, that cold plunge the first time, which is, which is so much more intense than a cold shower because your, your whole body's immersed and you can't sort of wiggle yourself out of it. Uh, and you're anxious because you're not in a shower in your home. You're in a river or like you're a, in a river. A, a, 
open exactly. the body of water. <laughs> and you, you can't just, you can't just get out. You, you get out and you've got to walk like a hundred meters to get back inside. But once you do it, your body, you, you, it feels like you've put like a blanket over you when you get out, you, you actually become warm quickly because your body is mm. instantaneously reacting. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case for everyone. Like it's actually pretty dangerous to, to just go and do that without maybe doing cold showers before or just sort of working yourself up to it. Um, I think if I hadn't have done the cold showers, I, I don't think I would have had the balls to have uh, done the full cold plunge, to be honest with you. It would have been a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know because I'm such a baby. But um, so it sounds like inflammation, helping with inflammation, arthritis. Um, I know for my slip disc in my back, I have two discs that rub together since I was like 15 years old, my L5 S1, not really an issue on carnivore. Um, I don't really get pain there anymore, but also my knee. And so mm -hmm. like, I remember cryotherapy or like, you know, they tell you to ice and do all that stuff. Right. So like, it's kind of like getting your whole body submerged. So if you can yeah. get cryotherapy or if you can do cold showers, like you say first, and then kind of warm up to like the main dish, but for people there, um, so inflammation seems to be a big one. It also seems to help with mental toughness and kind of stretching mm -hmm. your mind to be like, oh, I can do this, like mind over like um, mind over matter, right? Like my mm -hmm. mind is strong enough to do this. Um, I kind of have the thing where I have really bad anxiety with uh, closed spaces. And so when I would do the sauna, it was also, I think I told you this, when I was locked in the glass sauna, I was like, oh okay like this is also kind of mind over matter you know like yeah. I'm just like breathing and like kind of like meditating or whatever but um is there any like weight loss is there anything that's like not even the science behind it but super simple things like does it help with acne does it help with like I don't know just like the function of your organs like what what kind of what else does the cold therapy do because you did say a lot of great stuff but I feel like for like our audience, it might be like, just like dumbing it down. Not, not saying our audience is dumb. You guys are not dumb, but I'm saying like, just like people being like, oh, like I really want to do this, like to improve this is like mental mm. cognition. Like what else? I would say the biggest thing is, yeah. So we've mentioned inflammation, um, anything to do with arthritis, but improving your sleep. I think it's, that's the biggest mm. thing is because if your core body temperature is too high, you can't sleep properly. And that's one of the biggest things is I think it, I think it impacts your sleep the most. Um, and again, like there's so many confounding things you can research. So if you look yeah. at a sauna, a sauna benefits is going to, is going to have the similar benefits to a cold exposure. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like certain supplements. Like if you have a look at the list, magnesium, sodium, potassium, you go, they all supposedly have the same effect as one another because everything works in conjunction with one, with one another. So just mm -hmm. doing cold exposure is one thing, but mixing it with a sauna is a completely different thing on its own. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. I think this hot cold therapy, so to speak, is what allows your body to adjust to an environment you know, better than anything else. And somebody like Wim Hof, who's the Iceman, he's got a sauna. So he will go into the sauna, do a cold plunge, get out. But the cold is his, uh, let's just say the cold is where it um, sort of comes together. It's, that's the yeah. that's the thing Wait. that affects you the most, you know. <laughs> you, you saying the Iceman has a sauna. Just the Iceman has a sauna. Wait, but you did, not. sorry, there was, yeah, there was one thing that you did touch on as well, just so people know, like, the stress when you're going into a sauna, the stress that you're putting on your body, um, that is a temporary stress, but it is like highly provoking and it actually like makes a big impact on your body. That temporary stressors are the ones going off when you're in that super cold or super hot or just doing like a really hard workout. That's good stress. So I just want to like mention that because we're not saying like, hey, we're going to, you're going to do something that's just going to stress you out even more. No, mm. like it's kind of like this temporary stress that then actually helps your body instead of hurting it and creating more like continuous stress, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it, that's the counterintuitive of nature of it. It's like kind of, you want to ask yourself, like, why would I want to put more stress on my body if I'm already stressed? 
and there's a point to that, you know, like I know Anthony Gustin has thoughts on this, um, who we, we both enjoy his thoughts, but he says, it's like anything you've got to, you've got to listen to your body. If you feel like you under too much stress at work and everything's a bit too crazy, it's probably not a good idea to be just doing cold showers after cold showers and, and stressing yourself out more. Yeah. It, it, it is a stress. It's like, it's the same as exercise. It's the same as fasting. And I think this is a really important point is that everything has its benefit, but it's so easy to overdo it. And the dose sort of makes the poison and you need to figure out what's, what's going to work for you on what day. So, so that that's yeah. a really good point. And, but something like like saunas, you know, I was reading earlier. A sort if people that do saunas five to seven times a week, their all-cause mortality decreases by forty percent. But that's five to seven times a week. I mean, I don't do it that much, but that's a that's That'd be like a me. that's all-cause. That that's cancer. That's heart disease. That's everything. So that's a that's a pretty crazy statistic. Just knowing that. We talked a lot about the cold, cold therapy. Um, that's, you know, something that you're doing. I will try to incorporate that as much as I can, but I'm a sauna gal. Like I try to do it almost every day. Um, if I can, like right after a gym workout, I'll go in the sauna because we have one and it's like right there. So I yeah. want to ask you, what is like, I guess the biggest thing about the sauna that we've seen um, like for benefits and I guess... Uh, speaking a little bit about that yeah that that's a, a good question as well is that um for me reading and looking at the benefits are the, literally people that do a sauna five to seven times per week have a 40 percent decrease in all-cause mortality so what that means is that that's cancer that's heart disease that is literally every ailment you could possibly die from as an internal disease, it decreases that by 40%. I don't know many, Wow. I don't know many like um, sort of uh, things you can do that would do something at that rate. And I know saunas yeah. like started in like Finland or something. It was like the Finnish people would yeah. do these saunas and that's when they noticed. And then it sort of just spread across Europe and then everywhere all over the world and people just, yeah. everyone started doing them. But that's pretty crazy, right? That's pretty crazy that something could, decrease your risk of all-cause mortality by by that rate like nuts crazy i mean i feel it like i'm yeah. such a big fan and i actually didn't start doing the sauna until i moved to the netherlands because for me i've always been in southern california the sun is always out i'm always mm. getting my vitamin d i'm getting in the heat you know um but i was never exposing myself to the level of like hey this is 30 minutes dedicated to like sweating your balls off, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I will say that it. if you do live, well, yeah, like if you, if, if you, if you experience winter, if you live in any place where there's like winter and you're like, you know what? Like a lot of people do get uh, mood or like seasonal depression, right? Because it's related to the, the, you know, the season's changing. It's dark and gloomy now, you know, like I don't have my heat exposure from the normal sun. Like I can't, I can't get that right. So my advice to people is that if you do live in a cold place, there's two things you can do. One, get in the sauna, try to at least go in the sauna once a week. That's what I did. And it seriously helped. And then the other thing is once every two weeks, get in a tanning bed. And I feel like I'm going to get a lot mm. of pushback on that, but it, it mimics what the sun does. Right. And so it kind of gives you like this, like 10 minutes of just being like, ah, like I am. I am in the sun once more, you know, it almost like tricks your body to mm. thinking that you're going to get sun exposure. Right. And, and it uses do you know if there's, like, is yeah. there any, is there any, um, like studies and Benefit. things that you, that you know of that actually with the tanning bed side of things, like I would, I'll just be very interested. So like food lies does it. So he food lies, you know, they count food. Yeah. Brian lies. Sanders. Yes. Brian Sanders actually does this. Um, so if he's in a place where it's snowing or he can't get exposure to sun um, for an extended period of time, he will go in a tanning bed and it does mimic the exact same thing the sun does. It does have those UV rays, which actually convert the uh, cholesterol in your cells to vitamin D. So it does the same freaking thing, right? 
Um, the thing is, is that with anything, like you shouldn't go in the sun too long, right? You shouldn't go in a tanning bed too long, right? Mm. The purpose of this is to have exposure where it's like, you know, maybe once a day at most, you're getting 30 minutes of direct sun, you know, like on your skin or, you know, like, I don't know, uh, in the tanning bed, like once every two weeks, you're getting like 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes exposure, mm. right? So it's not like I'm recommending, hey, go in the tanning bed every day, you know? It's more like this is something that you can do to help fight against seasonal depression and those that those feelings that you might have when winter creeps in and you're not mm. able to get that exposure to the sun because your body still wants it, it yearns for it. So sometimes the sauna takes care of that, but sometimes people need a little bit more where once every two weeks, you're going into a tanning bed for 15 minutes to get the get that sun, right? Mm. Um, mm. And get that feeling. But the sauna, like what you're saying, that is a huge number. I don't know anything else. I mean, people will be like, Kale does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know anything else that reduces the all the all cause mortality by 40%. You know, like no. the Northern Europeans, they had to like adapt to, you know, like their very cold winters, very dark winters, right? Um, I know so there's a lot of people who do this. Um, it's very common in Europe, right? Because it gets pretty cold. But I will say that after a workout, like I'm doing this, I will say like, if you're exposed to toxins, right? Um, the sauna, sweating it out is the best way to get those toxins out, right? So like, I can't control if I'm exposed to something when I walk in a store, maybe there's like a fragrance in the store, right? And I'm breathing it in when I'm walking around, it's a, it's a really strong candle or something or mm. freshener, air freshener, which has all these chemicals in it. If I am going into the sauna, I can actually sweat out a lot of the toxins that I'm being exposed to in the environment, right? Yeah. Which is huge. Like the toxins sweat out in and of itself, biggest reason to probably do that, right? Most gyms in America, they do have saunas attached to them. So if you have a gym membership, that's like 30, 40 like, dollars a month. They also have a sauna that you can use, right? That's like for your gym membership. But the toxins, I think the biggest thing I was going to say, toxins for me. Is like yeah. sweating those out, getting that out is just huge and mental. <laughs> and and there's something to say. I was I was recently reading um, a brilliant book called The Psychology of Money by Morgan uh, Husserl. Don't know how you say his surname, but it's weird. Okay, it's a book about money, but I'm not going to speak about money in this case. But he spoke about how back in the day when you had a fever, your body you know, your body temperature, your body temperature rises, you know, there's a reason your body temperature does that. These days, when you have a fever, you go to the doctor, he gives you medicine to take your fever away. Did we ever just think to ourselves that hang on, there's a reason why your body is getting warm. And there's a reason why you're getting the night sweats. It's your body literally sweating out the toxins or the thing that's maybe or the bacteria or the virus, whatever it is. But the yeah. point is, is that your body's core your, your body's core temperature is so so um it's so sensitive that if it changes by like a degree and it increases by a degree it shows there's something in your body that's not right you know and i wear an aura ring and this tells me my body temperature and it tells me a whole bunch of stuff about my sleep and things Ooh, like that body temperature i didn't yeah. know that but that's that's in, that's that's crazy and 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 i would yeah I would like to think that this the whole that's the thing is that when you get into a sauna i like this episode is a deep dive into cold therapy and saunas when you get into a sauna you are essentially raising your core body temperature your body has to adjust it has to cool itself down so therefore you start to sweat profusely that sweating takes energy so all that energy is going to one thing to stop you from dying basically so it's keeping your body you know, down. It's literally that's what it is. Like I it hate sounds to say so that. morbid, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, in the process of that, you are getting rid of heavy metals. That probably there's probably no other way of getting rid of some of those heavy metals because you can take like yeah. activated charcoal, which might go into your guts, and you might get rid of some some stuff in your guts or whatever. But nothing will beat the actual intracellular exposure of heat that opens up your cells and your pores. And get rid of all those toxins you know i've got an uncle 
who lives in Durban in South Africa. It's one of the most humid places on earth. It's f- it's like literally ninety percent humidity there. It's crazy. Probably probably like Florida oh, actually. Probably sounds like, like I was gonna say it sounds like Florida, but less and meters maybe. Hopefully, he he's a fit guy. He's a fit guy. Drinks like an ox though. Doesn't eat great. I'm convinced it's because he lives in that place and it's like he's in a sauna every single day you're just sweating that shit out every single day people there are healthy you know i look at most people that live in durban south africa people are generally fit and healthy there and they don't do much and i'm convinced it's because the heat is just sweating everything out of their systems yeah wait wait that is so true because if you look at places where there, there might be a correlation right so like um correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation but you can Mm. look at a warm place and be like okay people sweat more here so they get more toxins out they have more exposure to the sun year-round kind of like san diego where i'm from Mm. um you you're out and about people are out doing things because the weather is so nice 24 7 meaning you're getting more exposure to vitamin d which is responsible for so many genes so many functions of your organs right and like mental but um, I think that's that's my biggest drawback to living in a place like Boise, where I live now, or Amsterdam, because like I feel like not having that sun year round, like you kind of have to play with it more. You gotta like mm. you gotta biohack more, basically. Like if you live mm. somewhere where there is winter, you gotta learn how to biohack that winter. Mm. Um, by the way, you did mention activated charcoal, so I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, Taylor and I have always been big fans of it. And, um, like the thing is, if I ever find out that there's a sauce that I had at a restaurant, cause like, if we go out to a steak dinner and they're like, Oh, do you want this sauce? Usually there's like something in it. Like there's wheat or something in it, like as, or flour to like thicken it or something. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you don't know what they cook with. So I always take activated charcoal after we have a dinner and I'm just like, not sure. Um, and then I'll also take it after I drink. And again, like, I think it's okay. We're not taking it. Don't do not take activated charcoal every day. Like it can build up and actually give you really like bad problems in like your lower intestine and in like your gut. But my point is, is that if you're like me where like you may drink like once a month or you may expose yourself to gluten once a month, right? Like, I think that's okay for those times to take activated charcoal. Cause it kind of grabs that. And then mm. hopefully it grabs whatever is, you know, just lingering about, mm. you know, heavy metals, whatever. Um, and it'll like take that out. So I, I utilize that. But again, like that's like maybe once a month, if there is drinking or exposure to gluten in food, it, it really kind of helps. Um, so yeah. Have you ever taken activated charcoal before? Yeah. I, I was also, I was a big fan of doing that when I was, uh, I feel like saying when I was a, a consistent drinker, on the weekends i would <laughs> my my routine was i would always just chug a big gulp of uh activated charcoal before i went out and then like the next day i would have a bit more and then i was done and then now and that sort of helped me out well well i thought it did yeah <laughs> it made me feel better well, about I my thought... drinking habits <laughs> oh yeah yeah you had like some like deeper deeper <laughs> stuff going on for me though i do see like the difference and i do tell people like there's some people that use it a little bit too much. And like, the thing is, um, so I had a friend, shout out to Jara. I had a friend who she had a, okay, it was her wedding day, basically, in the morning of, and one of her bridesmaid, her maid of honor, uh, said to her like, hey, like, you know what, um, I'm going to give you uh, this activated charcoal, like drink, like health drink or whatever. And she's like, it'll kind of like help you slim down, like in your wedding dress, or like, it might just make like, any like feeling of like bloating go away. So with activated charcoal, as you know, Josh, it takes a while to go through your system, right? Probably like 24 hours, give or take, depending on your digestive system. So she drank it the morning before. And what happens is there is a period where it kind of like, not bloats you, but it kind of does the opposite before it does what it's supposed to and clean out your system. Mm. So it actually made her more bloated because she did it the morning of her wedding. And she was like, gosh, darn it. Like (laughs) this was supposed to be the opposite. So if anyone tries to hand you activated charcoal, like the morning of your wedding or the morning of a big event, or when you have to be in a bikini or whatever, like probably don't do that. Probably do it beforehand. (laughs) Yeah. Not a a good idea. Just lesson. That, yeah. that, I mean, but that's a really good point is because um, like the cold therapy and the heat therapy and anything really, 
meat-based diets, things sometimes, almost always, get a little bit worse before they get better. So even meat-based diets, you know, so things generally can get worse before they get better. And I know a lot of people that put on weight when they go on this diet and they start eating a whole bunch of animal protein and fat and they start putting on weight. And then that shouldn't be the reason to deter you from the diet, you know, because one thing your body's probably healing itself from years of damage. So your body, like we said, it needs a certain amount of fat to actually work properly. Your your hormones need fat to thrive and work properly. Yeah. So so you putting on weight initially as psychologically hard as that's going to be for you, it's a benefit for you. And you soon reach a, a point where you find out how much you need, what you're comfortable with, and then soon your body just takes care of itself. Soon you just start yeah. entering this phase where you are just comfortable with what you're eating. You start to look good. You start to perform better. But like cold therapy, saunas, I mean, we know like the, the initial phases of doing those things is not a pretty side. It really is shit. Like mm -hmm. I started doing the Wim Hof breathing um, in the beginning. I, I really just did not enjoy the feeling. I, I started getting headaches. I started feeling terrible. But I, I don't know, something through me, something in me just pushed through that initial trough of like despair that you experience. And you sort of reach this like, the stage where you're really comfortable with what you're doing, you know? Yeah. I wanted to mention to you in terms of like the weight loss, right? Cause like that was a big thing for both of us doing carnivore, right? Kind of like, I felt like stubborn pounds, at least for me, like we're coming off, but also people have to remember, like you mentioned, like if you're going from a standard American diet, there's going to be a transition period where your body is probably like, Whoa, we're oxalate dumping. Or, mm. hey, like we're, we're getting our hormones aligned and you know what, there might be a little weight gain here because we're, we're trying to correct things, right? We're trying mm. to correct your function of, you know, different organs, hormones, your thyroid, everything, right? So I think there's that period of time. Um, that's why I tell people never just do it for 30 days. You should at least try to do it for 90 days to actually see full benefits, right? Yeah. Yeah. 30 days, you might lose maybe like one or two pounds. You might not lose anything. It might all be about like getting your hormones on track and getting your gut fixed and, and other stuff. Right. But I will say as a woman, like I initially went down to about 128. Right. I started this journey at like 156 pounds. Right. Um, I went down, my lowest was like 128. Um, and then I literally just stayed around 130 right? For like most majority of the time. When I moved to Amsterdam, I don't know if it was stress. I don't know if it was, I don't know, maybe being a little bit more loose with how I was eating. Um, mm. But I ended up gaining 10 pounds and I just ended up like never really losing it. And at first I was kind of like, oh, like I'm going to lose this 10 pounds because like I should be 130. That's been like my normal weight. That's how I function. That's how I feel my best. And then the more I kind of was just like, I don't really care, you know, like there is other things that, that really do take priority over weight loss. Right. Like, so mm. my mental health, my body, just like feeling good, building the muscle. I think I had more muscle than like I had in a really long time. Um, and also like, I always say this, but I like having tits and an ass. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I think I like that. Um, so there's like little things like that, where like, that would have mortified me. If you would have told me like that I was going to gain 10 pounds, like mm. on my second year anniversary, I'd be 10 pounds heavier in carnivore. I'd be like, <laughs> well, that's going to be an issue that I'm going to have to correct ASAP. But the more I just thought about it, I was like, mm. it doesn't matter because there's so many other things that are good in my life. My body is so nurtured and like, maybe I'm supposed to be 140. Like, I don't know. It kind of seems like that's what it is. Like, I'm not stressed out about anything. I'm just kind of cruising. So if you do gain weight, um, just remember that this journey of carnivore and meat-based eating, it's about healing. It's mm. not about the weight loss, right? Like that is one benefit that happens or doesn't happen. But just remember that that's one small thing. And there's so many, it's like a multifaceted life. Like 
you have so many different aspects. So if weight gain and, you know, weight loss is like number one, mm. um, and maybe that's your reason for doing it. Cool. But don't forget how far you've come with the other aspects of your life before you just write it off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know we've, we've touched on it in the past, but I think the scale itself can be a very, very dangerous place for a lot of people, especially yeah. I know for me, it was, um, I'm not so much attached to my weight now as I once was. I, w I don't know what this, I, I weigh about like 69 kilograms now. Um, f like f just under five, five, seven, I weigh 69 kilograms. It's pretty, pretty heavy for my size because I do a lot of CrossFit and I've got a lot of muscle, but I went down to, what was that? 56 kilograms, which is my lowest. So I went from, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was like my lowest. And I, I mean, I've mentioned this, so I've been through all aspects of it. I initially lost like nine years ago, I went low carb, lost nearly a hundred pounds. Then went through my another process, went the other direction, then was getting too skinny. Then I needed to put on weight. So carnivore for me actually helped me put on weight and helped me gain the muscle that I lost where the carbohydrates wasn't doing anything to me. I was eating all these carbs. I just wasn't putting on any weight. So it benefited me big time in that arena. But the scale for a lot of people can be a very, very dangerous place. It's like I prefer, it sounds a bit vain, but I actually prefer the mirror. It's like actually looking at your muscle definition. Yeah. You're seeing your muscles from a physical standpoint because that's going to tell you more about your health then the scale will the scale really doesn't mean that much i mean your body weight can change by three to four it can literally change by like five pounds in i want to say pounds i'm acting like i know pounds but two three kilograms which must be what yeah, five that's pounds the same. yeah five yeah, pounds so you're right <laughs> in one day it can change that much in one day yeah. from water, water retention um whatever what that's yeah. yeah so it's it's a very slippery slope focusing on the scale itself, I think a better measurement is your mental health, um, your, 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 your actual like looking at yourself and be like, oh, wow, I see my, again, it sounds very vain, but like I, I could never see my tricep and now I can see my tricep. It's like, that's a sign yeah. that your body fat percentage is low, but you might be heavier because you might have more muscle, you know, which is just a simple thing. It's just a simple, it's a simple body recomposition but a lot of people do struggle with that. So that's going to be really, I mean, anybody who's listening, I would love to know if that is something you've struggled with, because I know a lot of people do ask about that. They, they put on weight and that throws them off straight away. It's like, nope, I can't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. I will say too, um, like, you know, weighing yourself just regularly is not great. I mean, like if you need to check in every once in a while, like I will check in. I think I've weighed myself once every two months, which is a pretty significant amount of time just because I'm like, oh, I just want to check out like what's going on. And I'm more just curious, you know, like, oh, is this more? Is it less? Yeah. Whatever. But yeah, I think that's a great thing, right? Yeah. Like you're looking at your body and you're looking at, um, like how you actually look and how you feel. So it doesn't matter what the scale says. Like if you feel good, fuck yeah. Like what you're doing is working. Like you're you're doing a great job, right? So how you feel comes way before like, you know, the number. Um, I, this is kind of maybe controversial, but I like to bring up the BMI, uh, the body mass index, right? So that's basically like um, your height and then it takes your weight, right? So like I'm just under five, six, um, and then I'm like 140 pounds. Right. So my BMI is around like 22. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think, but like literally like I'd still have a healthy BMI, even if I was 152 pounds, it says. Mm. So it's a pretty big like scale, right. Unless I'm like bulking and I'm like a crazy bodybuilder. That's like bulking muscle to the point where it's like I'm unrecognizable yeah maybe I could be like 152 and be like all muscle and be five six and like that would be like the top of it but all I'm saying is that I, I personally think that it's still a number that we should look at every once in a while because like it gives such a wide range anyway 
that like for like a healthy BMI, right? It's not saying like, oh, you have to be one of these three, like there's a very small range that you have to be in order to be healthy. It's like, no, like you can be under your BMI, you can be healthy, and then it goes like overweight, and then it goes obese. So people don't like looking at these things because I think too, like you don't like to look at like the reality of some things. And sometimes, yeah, maybe if you're five, six and you can build on muscle to the point of being 152, that'd be, I'm telling you right now, like that'd be really difficult for me to do. Mm. Like for me to get to 152 and have it be all muscle Mm. is like pretty intense. Cause like Mm. I've weighed 156 and let me tell you, that was not all muscle. And that was not good. I was not healthy. <laughs> um, so I do think there's some like truth to that scale. But again, like it just depends like how you feel, right? If like, obviously if you're super obese or super overweight and you probably have like health issues or you have like, you know, different issues that are there, you're probably not gonna be like, oh, but I feel great mentally. So I'm gonna continue this weight, right? There's usually something that's pushing you to like lose that weight so you can feel better um on the other side you know but. yeah yeah I, I definitely i think it just it it really just depends on on yourself as a person and, and how you there's so many things you're gonna have to navigate on a journey on a on a on a healing journey you're gonna have to navigate so many different parts of yourself that maybe you you didn't expect would come up and if that's something that keeps you on track and keeps you going then then that's a good then it's a good measurement to have you know it's like everyone starts in there everyone starts in different places and they come to it from different ways um i can say from a person who's been on a weight loss journey for like what nine years now which is actually a pretty long time i can honestly say that over time you, you you accept that you you sort of you will always to a certain extent have that sort of little bit of a body dysmorphia that you experience, but that's okay. It's just past, it's just conditioning. It's just cause you don't feel like you are enough in the body that you're given. But the more times you approach it and look at it and be like, okay, it's just, yeah, it's just conditioning. The, the, the kinder you get to yourself and the more you feel at peace with, with what you're going, because I think a number numbers can be like so binary and you can achieve an, a, a, a weight loss goal that you want like x number of pounds to me that's not going to bring you happiness it, it never will no it, it might give you pleasure no. in the moment but long-term happiness there's no ways there's no ways a number will ever ever bring you that that happiness happiness comes from so many different areas and a lot of it comes from just the acceptance and the the paradox is is that when you let go and you accept um sort of your the the sort of body dysmorphic image you have of yourself you begin to do things in a in a fashion that actually allows you to grow more and lose weight naturally just in in a in a fun way you know you're not you're not forcing it it just happens because you're you you just on this journey. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Or you heal other things and then you yeah. realize that the sugar or carb addiction that you have is actually related to when you feel stressed or when you feel sad, mm. you know, like I actually, I think I've told you this, like I talk to myself out loud. <laughs> I am like a huge sweet tooth person, huge overeater. So if I do ever have a craving, I actually have a conversation with myself out loud and I mm. go, you know what, Nicole, why are you craving this? You know, like what, what happened today, you know, and I can kind of retrace that, but I always do it out loud. And I think Taylor does think I'm crazy, but I mean, I know I am, so it's fine, <laughs> We all crazy, um, but <laughs> yeah, but I did want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk to, maybe you don't know this, Josh, but I went through a weed gummy phase and mm. I wanted to this talk is shifting is cold exposure to <laughs> no, no. <weed> gummies. <laughs> cold to sauna to wait to uh weed gummies yeah so yeah. I wanted to talk about this because I remember being like in so much so when I started my carnivore journey right this is like literally like month two um like officially of not being just keto of just doing like the meat month two of COVID so April 1st 2020 right anxiety is like at an all-time high 
my issues are kind of at an all-time high. I was really heavy. I was eating sugar. I was eating everything. It was just not good, right? Um, so one of the things that I found that I thought was helping me was every night around like 6 p.m., mm-hmm. I would take one or two little tiny weed gummies, right? So this is probably equivalent to like, I think 2.5 milligrams of weed. Like I have a very, or sorry, THC. Is it, is I have a very, C- very- Are they CBD gummies or weed gummies? What would no, you no, describe? No, no. These are weed. This is THC. Oh, so THC. there's THC yeah. in it. So yeah. all like weed all, obviously still has CBD in it. Like those are still, they're still part of it, right? But the yes. thing that makes you high is the THC, right? Mm. And that does other things besides make you high. So I was taking about 2.5 milligrams of THC in the form of these little weed gummy cubes. (laughs) And I did this um, in the beginning of my journey. And I don't really know why, because like, obviously when you do THC, it gives you like the munchies, like when you do weed, which is really weird. But like, I was able to fight that, which is even weirder. But for me, like I had so much anxiety that it kind of just checked me out. Like every night at 6 p.m., I was checked out which mm-hmm. if you now looking at this and I'll tell you what ended up happening, but looking at this, that means like not down to have sex, totally checked out from having a conversation. And I have a straight edge husband. Like I have a husband who's never done drugs. So I'm mm-hmm. literally just like high. Mm-hmm. And it literally helped me to cope with everything that was happening. Cause like, it felt like world war three or like the end of the world was happening when early COVID. <laughs> So I would take it every night at six. And it was only a small amount, 2.5 milligrams, because I am just like a baby. And um, yeah, I would just get like really high. I would after dinner, I think. And then I would just like end up like going to bed. And it just helped me. So I didn't have to think about things that are happening in the world. Right. So I did this for about like two months in the beginning. And like everything was fine. And then one night... (laughs) Um, I ended up taking one and here's the thing about gummies that I didn't know. They can't actually, when you make gummies, it's like on a baking sheet and then you cut it. And Mm. so what happens is sometimes the THC pools into one side or the other of these gummies, right? So because it's a liquid that they're turning into a solid, they can't actually control how much THC goes into one of these, especially if it's on a tilt or something. So I got a bad batch. And I thought I was going to die. Like, I literally thought I was going to die. I was like, I felt like I was in a coffin when I was like laying down. And I was just like, like, it was no, no, no. It was like the worst thing ever. And so since that happened, I just didn't touch them. And what happened was I ended up getting to a point of desperation from like anxiety. And like later down the road, I don't remember what happened. And I did one and then the same thing happened. And I was like, okay, guess time's up. And I actually, so what I did later, um, like I think a year later, I asked Taylor and I was like, hey, do you remember like that phase I went through? And he goes, yeah, you were like high every night for like two months straight. And I was like, yeah, like that was so dumb. Like I was like trying not to deal with anything and I was just like getting high at night. And like, Mm. even though maybe it helped me sleep or maybe help my muscles because I was like using them a lot. Um, Mm. like with recovery, because I know like Joe Rogan, for example, does that. Mm. Um, I just like, wasn't there. Like I was like checked out, like that sucks. And he just was like, yeah, I just kind of like let you do what you needed to do at the time, because I think it was, everything was stressing you out. But he's like, yeah, I didn't like that. (laughs) Okay. But anyways, (laughs) yeah. Like moral of the story is like, if you have to rely on a substance to get you through on like a daily basis, like it's, there's probably something else that you need to deal with. So then I ended up going to therapy um, Mm. to like discuss like the anxiety and everything. And these were like telecommunication, like, you know, zoom therapy sessions. So it was still like, okay. And then I would do phone sessions, but I needed to know like why I felt like I needed to grab a weed gummy to like escape every night um, and like actually deal with my anxiety. And I will say like once carnivore kind of 
got in like 90 days or so, like I noticed a huge improvement with especially the anxiety on a daily basis. And then the social anxiety that also followed COVID because you have to remember like people got fucked up. Like they were like, they were alone. Like you maybe were one of them. Like you're alone in your apartment Mm. and like, you can't do anything. And like, it fucks up your mind. You know, you then have the opportunity to then go out and do something and you're like, why am I anxious going to do this thing that I've had no problem doing in the past, but right now I'm literally about to have an anxiety attack mm. going to my friend's house for dinner party. It's mm-hmm. like this social anxiety phenomenon happened following COVID. And I think it messed up a lot of people. I think it made people a lot more dependent on alcohol and substances um, to cope with it because it's it's very difficult to get to the root and figure that out unless you have like a therapist you're working with or something like that. But do you have any thoughts on on people post COVID and anxiety like that? Well, I actually read something. I wanted to bring it up actually because now that you said that, I was going to respond a different way. But here we go. In 2020, alcohol related deaths increased by nearly 40 percent in Americans aged 25 yeah. to 44. In 2020, for Americans under 65, there were more deaths from alcohol than COVID. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's scary. One, that's scary. Like the fact that that's even a thing. And then just to respond to you from a person who is very um, passionate about um, the healing effects of psychedelics and things like that, you know, marijuana is it is very similar to a psychedelic and your experience of nearly dying, whatever is so common. I, I what I want to say is that, and, and your, oh your, your longing to grab for it, to escape, that is so normal is that uh, people need to know. I feel like if more people knew that they were not alone in it and that, that it was not only, it's not only them trying to escape that things would be a bit, you know, it's always good chatting to somebody who's been through a similar experience. I know so many friends that have, just overdone the the weed and they've literally felt like they're going to die and it's your, it, yeah. it, it's this med, it's the plant's medicine speaking to you and and telling you something about the state of the world the state of your mind you know i think if i had to look at it i think the world was so fucked up then that death was on everyone's mind so you know it's 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 not uncommon for that to occur in your subconscious to yeah. think that you're dying now and th- that's exactly it. I I do occasionally, like every second, third night, I've got um, some CBD that I take occasionally, which I find helps. But it's got like, what, yeah. 0.01% uh, THC. Um, yeah, so you're not getting high, basically. Like you're, I'm not getting you're high. You're getting the physical, like, yeah. th- therapeutic properties of it. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, on that note, that, that that's the thing, is that it's what like i really want to touch on this in the next episode as well but like metabolic flexibility you 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 seriously just want to get to a point where you can try these different things and not let them totally get you off track but like you said it's the minute you stuck with carnivore or meat-based for 90 days you felt the benefits you know you felt them and 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 sticking through that made all the difference it wasn't the the gummies that made the difference you know it was actually sticking through that and if if, if everyone can reach a point where they start figuring out when they need something when they don't when do i need a bit of magnesium when do i know not when do i need a bit of cbd when do i you know just knowing when to add something when not to do it when not to overdo it so everyone just makes it their own you know so yeah i think that's a really valid point yeah, I will say too, like, um, I don't know, I get really weirded out about, because I know people around me that like, I don't think I've ever seen them sober, or like, I don't think I've ever been around them when they're sober. And like, I always think to myself, like, you know, I can't help but having those thoughts like, oh, like if COVID didn't happen, right? Like if these lockdowns didn't happen, like, would they be like that or you know what I mean like is this coping but it's also like as you know like it's such a sensitive thing to bring Mm -hmm. up someone's drinking like nobody wants to approach someone and be like hey Josh like I noticed that like whenever we go to do something together drinking always has to be involved um Mm -hmm. like I haven't seen you sober in like the last five times at least that we've hung out like is everything okay 
it's just, it's such a sensitive topic that unless it's coming from your partner, unless it's coming from your mom, unless it's coming from like your sibling, nobody likes to be called out on their shit. Do you know what I mean? And it's not even for that. It's like people just get defensive of their behaviors, period. Right. Like people don't want, it's like embarrassing. Like, it's just not something fun that you want to like confront someone about. So like Mm. you could be like, you know, someone that's drunk all the time, but no one said anything to you. So no one, you know, like you haven't had that moment where you're like, Hey, like this is becoming a problem or like you haven't had an issue where like you had some huge blow up fight or made a fool of yourself. So someone can bring up that example. So I think there are a lot of people like that now, like post COVID where like, unfortunately, like I think people are probably gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I think people are pussies when it comes to holding other people accountable. Like if my friend does something fucked up, Mm. I'm going to call them out and be like, Hey dude, like what you did was not cool. Like, I don't appreciate that. Or like, whatever, like we live in a world where everyone's tiptoeing because they want to be well-liked. They want everyone to like them. They don't want to be any area of conflict, you know, like, I just think it's like super frustrating from my point of view, because like, I want to be called out on my shit. I do. Like, I want to be given feedback. If I do something fucked up or whatever, like I want someone to call me out. Like if you're a true friend, you should be able to call me out on my bullshit. Right. And I should be able to call you out on your bullshit. So I think people are now so fucking sensitive and like, it's just like to the point where like, you can't even like have an honest conversation because you don't know if what you're going to say or the feedback you're going to give a friend is going to like ruin your friendship or ostracize you. And like, that's happened to me before I called someone out for something and I thought they did was fucked up and it kind of ostracized me a little bit. And even though what they did was extremely fucked up, I think that some of my other relationships took a toll and that's okay because I don't really want to surround people that have a low moral standard or are okay with people doing fucked up shit to each other, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, then, you know, that's what I love about the way, the way I've, the way we're living our lives right now is because I, I truly believe that going, going meat based, going simple, living life the way I do, it has sort of been this natural filter as to who's going to be in my life and who's not. I don't even have to call people out for their bullshit. Their bullshit is just being called out by them doing what they're doing. I couldn't care less actually about some of the things that the people are doing. And and I got, I got no problem with that. It's just that I don't want to be a part of that anymore. It's like really, it's, I'm just so not interested in, in some of the stuff that people do. And like we said, I still go out to the God festival here and there. I still go enjoy myself, but for the most part, I'm passionate about building this, building, building my brand, building a community of like-minded people that are just interested in healing each other. And the friends that want to stay will stay the friends that don't won't. And that's all okay. I've started just getting so comfortable with the fact that not everyone's going to be wanting to have the same path as you. And the weird thing is, is that I've noticed over time, certain friends start catching up and they sort of be like, oh, you know, this person's onto something like they, they, they're onto something, you know, nothing, nothing trumps consistency. If you are consistent and you keep going forth and putting the message out and doing your thing and you start showing your results, like, like, you know, walking into CrossFit now and being able to clean and jerk weights that I could never do and feeling so fit is the proof of the consistency that I've been on. And that's the biggest benefit for me is just going through that journey and allowing the results to speak for themselves, you know, so to speak. I will say too, like, remember though, like not everyone is at the point where you are, Josh, like, or you or I are, where like, we kind of don't deal with bullshit anymore. Like we're in a place where Mm. we are very selective with who we surround ourselves with, but you have to remember there's some people who are living, let's say, for example, they're living in their hometown they have friends that they've been friends with since they were very, very little. And those friends are going through shit. Those friends are coming to the point where 
this person's trying to get better and they yeah. still have this toxic person in their life, which is causing drama, which is drinking too much, which is kind of, you know what I mean? And so I think I'm talking about more of those people who are kind yeah. of at like a crux or like a crossroads yeah. where they're trying to better themselves or maybe trying to get away from drinking and doing and living a life that maybe they don't agree with or, you know, mm-hmm. want to partake in because their priorities have shifted. And mm-hmm. so it's like almost like, how do you have these difficult conversations or do you just slowly like push this person away or stop hanging out slowly well, and slowly? <laughs> yeah. And that's a really good point. I completely agree with you. But what I was going to say is that no investment that you ever undertake is not going to take some sort of sacrifice. There will undoubtedly mm-hmm. be a huge sacrifice. You will it is not easy. I, I didn't get to this point because I decided I've, I've known, you know, the past two years, especially moving to Amsterdam, I've experienced the deepest form of loneliness, loneliness that I've ever experienced in my life. But because of that, I know how much I value, you know, the company of people that actually support my mission and what I'm about now. So that's mm-hmm. shown me these things, but it's definitely not going to come easy. I agree with you. It's like, you probably probably people are probably gonna have to go through moments of real decision making where you, you're gonna have to be like if i want to be the person i want to be i'm gonna have to get rid of this person in my life i have to you know it's like things like that or tell them yeah about their attitude towards drinking smoking whatever because if i don't i'm living with the burden of not telling them and that's going to affect me so i always like to think of it like that if, if you are if you are faced with a situation, you need to think about first and foremost, how is it affecting you? Are you holding on to it? Is it a fit? Because if it is, then you definitely need to confront it. It is no doubt yeah, about it. Totally. You know what I'm saying? You, you have to. But if, if somebody is doing something and it's just your past conditioning that's being affected and it's just a trigger for you, I don't think it warrants your attention. I think it's actually then it's a chance for you to work on yourself instead of calling somebody else on their bullshit. But if it's directly affecting you and you're, and it's being toxic to yes. you directly, then mm-hmm. 100%, it's like, I don't want you in my life. But I, but it, I still, I think that 95% of what is going on out there is just happening. It's just a lot of it we take inside and we just want to make it our, yeah. our own sort of, you know that's a good point that's a really good point i guess to clarify too like unless it's like affecting you right if there's like a toxic relationship you have with someone just like it could be a family member it could be a friend it could be a sibling it could be like anything like you don't have if it's not affecting you you don't have to deal with it right that's kind of like ignoring the bs right because no one has time for that so i get what you're saying and what you're saying is that if it is a toxic relationship or something that is hurting you, um, hindering your growth, like really taking your time and like having a direct effect on you, then you need to deal with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a huge just like differentiator. But and I've got a yeah, sorry, anyway, just, yeah. just to add on to that, I've got yeah. a strategy for if somebody is triggering you and you know it's actually them doing their thing and it's actually your it's a trigger to you tell them tell them about your trigger that often exposes things so if somebody's doing something and it's just them doing it and they drinking and it's not really it has nothing to do with you but you feel bothered by it say to them be like i just want to let you know that i know you're doing this and i know it's your life and i just want to let you know it's triggering me i don't know why but by just opening the conversation, like you said, opening the yeah. door to a sober conversation with somebody. How how rare is it that we have sober conversations like that? It's yeah. I was gonna say, make so, sure it's sober. Not it's when, so like, the rare. Struck. Yeah, it's so rare in this world, but it's so beautiful. It's yeah. that you need to just say, like, listen, it's triggering me. I know it's not your fault, but it's triggering me, and I just thought I'd let you know. And then they'll be, then they they might turn around and say something, and then it's gonna open up a whole whole conversation that's gonna yeah. lead somewhere good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think just people, my whole thing is like, don't feel like you can't be honest with a friend because you're doing a disservice Mm. by being dishonest with them. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of goes down to like, is it worse if I do this? Because I'm going to be ostracized or like I'm Mm. saying something that's unpopular or, you know, like they're not going to want to be friends with me. 
Or do I like tell them the truth? Cause this ultimately could lead to them not dying from liver fatty liver disease, or this could ultimately lead to them like turning things around or at least knowing that like it's a issue for me or, or you know what I mean? Like it's an issue, like anyway, but I feel like this is such a big like thing and (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many layers to it, but you know, for the most part, I just stay in my lane and unless something directly affects me, then I try to like modify things or kind of limit my exposure to certain people because I'm like, you know what? seeing this person a million times I don't really need this shit (laughs) or like I don't want to be caught up in this but um that's also just like going through growing up and having priorities change because it really does change you know like you go from being single to being in a relationship to being married to having kids like when you do all that like of course you can just imagine like the different priorities continuously changing and that's the easiest thing yeah. is like your relationship status is like the easiest thing to show priority stage like changes but also like you know your growth right like your growth josh for example is different like you know you're you're single but just saying like this is wrong but you're single but like your mental growth has been so tremendous you know so yeah well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just saying like, there's some people, like I know people who literally like are single and like, they can't be alone and like, they're very mm. depressed and like they're on antidepressants. Like there's just a lot of things where like, I don't know, people deal with that. Did I ever tell you about how I went on antidepressants and then I wanted to kill myself? That was fun. Yes. I think we yeah. did mention this. Yeah, no, <laughs> we did mention that. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool literally bad day it's about to start my period we must find we must find the episode and we'll link it below (laughs) i know i know i know but um but yeah just to say like yeah just if you feel like intervening with something do it but if not like and you can just let that noise pass you by i always Mm. say let that noise pass you by yeah yeah 100 percent. cool this was a fun episode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was just I was just looking through my notes now. We've gone through cold, exposure, saunas, activated charcoal. Things get worse before they get better. Um, weight loss, weed gummies, toxic relationships. I don't know what else you want to add to that list, but it's a pretty a pretty eclectic mixture of uh, topics, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> it always is. It always is. Yeah. But we'll have to talk about maybe um I don't know like well maybe we'll just have a whole episode with like drinking or like being social mm. on carnivore because yeah. i think that's kind of interesting because i feel like people are like oh your life's over <laughs> like you can't enjoy life and it's like no man like i enjoy the best forms of life 100%. by the way it's snowing outside like so it was like 65 degrees last week and now it's snowing so i'm just like what is happening here but anyways <laughs> this is a great i know this is a great episode uh, yeah no but great episode i had so much fun you know speaking yeah. with you learning more about cold therapy and stuff too but um yeah everyone link or sorry like subscribe share this out comment give us feedback yeah comment let us know how shitty we are or whatever i don't know <laughs> no, i'm just kidding only good comments yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cool. This was fun. Okay. Peace. All right. Bye.